Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams. Today, we have another amazing guest. He performed as the magical Mr. Mosopheles on the fifth U.S. national tour. So welcome, McCree O'Kelly, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. I'm excited to have you um, because, I, you know, this tour went on for 10 years, and I think, like, it's always an interesting piece, but you were in the very first group. So we'll get to that because I have a lot of questions about, like, the introduction of this tour to the U.S., but let's start with your cat's history. Were you the 1998 obsessed movie? Did you see as a kid? Like, what was your introduction? Uh, well, no, I I'm I'm too old for that. I uh, okay. I saw um, I was in sixth grade and I had gone on a community theater uh, trip to New York and we saw a Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, and the last day we saw Cats. And I really think that that weekend changed my life. Um, it was the first time that uh, I realized what I wanted to do with my life. I, I It was very clear to me um, that I wanted to be on stage and, and I wanted to live in New York. Um, so that, that was a really pivotal moment. Um, I saw the other shows, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily see myself in, in either of, of um, Phantom or Lamas, but but cats, I, I really connected with, and specifically with Mr. Mistopheles. Um, mm-hmm. okay. I had started taking dance around that time, and so I was really drawn to to that to that character, that that solo, and uh, it was kind of a dream come true that it all worked out. Wow! And what age was this? Like how old I was were in you? sixth grade. So I what's that like 11, 12? Yeah. Okay. So sixth grade. Okay. So 11, 12, you're, you're, it's a community theater program. Where are you from originally? And you kind of like came to New York for this? Uh, yeah. Columbia, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, I, I moved to New York actually when I was 16 to go to ballet school. Um, I went to the school of American ballet. Um, okay, I wow. started with community theater, but then ballet just kind of took over my life. And, um, that, that really was my, my passion. And, um, and so I, I went, I moved to New York and, um, after that I joined a ballet company and then found my way back to New York. I love it. So you, you know, you, you're going as a theater production, but you're a dancer. And so you've got this, like, you, you see these three classics and two of them are, you know, not as dance heavy. I think there's, there's still, you know, some dance, but then mm-hmm. cats is like just pure dance all the time. It's nonstop. And you were like, this is my, my future. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. As a sixth grader, you're kind of right on that fringe age of like fully understanding what you saw. And also a lot of it probably still going over your head. Cause like, you're just before that age of puberty, probably where you'd recognize some of the chaos. So did it like, did any of that stuff resonate? Like what is the sixth grader view of cats? Not at all. Like it did not so much of it went over my head. Um, I guess, fortunately, probably. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I I do remember thinking that there was like a sexual energy with rum tum tugger and, uh, but all of the stuff in the ball, the stuff with Victoria, all of that, I was just 
it was just pure dance for me. That's yeah. And I think that's probably the, probably the best way to see it. What did, did you as a sixth grader comprehend any of the plot or was it just, this is really cool dancing with cats. No, I did not comprehend any of the Nothing. plot. I don't, no, not really. I just, you know, it is, you see these little vignettes um, and I didn't, yeah, I didn't see how they were all tying together necessarily. Um, but I was very entertained. And mm-hmm. I think as a sixth grader, that's really all you care about. Yeah. And you said it was last too. So it was probably, yeah. you saw these two other very big, heavy production, not heavy, but like big productions. And then you go and see Cats, which is also a big production, but a very different production. Exactly. Very different. I mean, I was very moved by, I remember being very moved by Les Mis, um, but I knew I wasn't that kind of singer that, that didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't see um, that show and think, Oh, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, whereas with cats, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So then fast forward, you're in New York now as a 16 year old. Have you like, when's the next time you actually got exposed to the show? Was it the 98 movie? Did you see it again? I saw it again. I remember we, uh, when I was, um, when I was in school there, I, a friend from Columbia came into town and, and we went to see the production. I hadn't seen it uh, probably mm-hmm. since I was in sixth grade. Um, and my, my journey had really shifted and I was really very focused on, on getting in a ballet company at that point. So it mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't really hit the same way. Um, I, I still really enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, I have to do that. Um, yeah. but it, it was, it, it was still a part of me. Like I, I was still connected to that show and, and specifically that, that character. Yeah. Um, the original Mistopheles was a ballet dancer the, in the London production. So mm, okay. it was a principal dancer from like the Royal Ballet. So that, that role was really created on a ballet dancer, um, which is why, and originally he didn't, he wasn't, he didn't sing. Um, it wasn't mm-hmm. until it moved to Broadway and, and um, then the character did sometimes sing that yeah. verse. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a lot of it where like there's a lot of the changes in cats has been because it seems like there's a different person doing it and they kind of mold slight tweaks around the the performer and then it either sticks or it goes back and, and it goes in. But I kind of love that, you know, it seems like Victoria Mistopheles are the two where where children will see it and say, that's my future because especially dance. And then there's a bunch of the other cats where it's like, no one goes and is like, I want to be busted for when I watch it. You know, like there's not that like visceral reaction to it, but those two seem to be the two that are the most common. That's true. Yeah. And I think they, they're featured in a way that um, dancers really connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're given these solos that, um, that are quite difficult um, and very virtuosic. And so yeah. they stand out, even though neither one of them really says much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, you know, you're saying through through dance, like it's much more of the, the artistic interpretation than like the let's use the lyrics for it. Right. Um, OK, I want to fast forward to you, the tour. So like you have this as a sixth grader, you you now in what, 2001, like did the audition come to you how did you end up with like the oh this is actual possibility that i could become this character that made me realize i wanted to be a professional dancer so i i had been a member of atlanta valley for two years and had decided that i wanted to move to new york um because you know a dancer's career is short um 
And I was really drawn to doing some more commercial musical theater type things. So I had moved to New York um, in 2000. And then I had come back to Atlanta to to do a performance with Atlanta Valley. And so I actually missed the audition, which was kind of devastating. Um, And fortunately, they didn't find a Mistopheles and a casting director who I had auditioned for previously and for something else reached out and and wondered if I was interested. And I said, absolutely, but I'm in Atlanta now. Um, And he said, well, contact me when you get back. And if we still haven't found someone, we'll we'll bring you in. Um, So I I reached out and um, Richard Stafford, he was the director, was choreographing a production of My Fair Lady. So they asked me to come in and do that audition. And so I did that audition. And then he asked me to stay and do the turns in second. and then he asked me to sing and that did not go <laughs> as well. And I remember him saying something like, that's okay. He doesn't have to sing. And so he actually offered me the role right there. Um, he said that, you know, they would contact me with a contract in, in the next hour. And yeah, it was, it, it never happens like that. It never happens that, that quickly. Usually there's such a process of callbacks and, and yeah. um, so I, it really just, you know, it was fate. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a really great day. I remember getting the call and saying yes immediately. I, I d- didn't do any negotiating. I was just <laughs> thrilled. Just, sure. Yeah, well, for um, whatever you want. I, yeah. I love that. <laughs> I'll pay you uh, to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So wait, did you audition for My Fairly? Well, I mean, I wasn't, that wasn't really. He, he, was, he knew I was there to be seen for cats. Okay. Um, so, I could just yeah. imagine you like that's a v- totally different show. Um, <laughs> going into like do a couple other numbers and it's like oh and by the way just do a couple do the Mustafa's turns. And, and really, that's all he wanted to see. I'm, I mean, because the choreography for My Fair Lady was so vastly different from anything that um, relates to cats. But I think you know the Mustafa's role like you have to be able to do those turns, and so. Um, yeah, I mean it's a critical part. Did you? What did you? Did you sing anything? Like, what was the song you sang? Uh, you've never heard of it because it's called uh, "How'd You Like to Love Me." Because I really was not. I'm not a strong singer, and so I I would pick songs that were so obscure that no one had ever heard them before. So, that <laughs> so you they can make them your own. <laughs> yeah, and they they couldn't compare it. You didn't. You, um, so it's they were always like songs no one has ever heard of before. Um, uh, it's a st- smart strategy. Thanks. Okay. So now this is, this is the part I want to talk to you about because I haven't really dove into, I've talked to a lot of people on the fifth tour, but it went for 10 years right. and you were the first group. So um, I know Colin was on the tour, Colin Conliffe, we talked to him, but he was also on the revival. So we, we never really focused on this part of the tour. I'm interested to hear what it was like creating this tour because you are almost restarting what the America is going to see outside of New York that hasn't been on tour in a while. So how much of that was like thought about how much of that went into this rehearsal process? Like what was that, that transition of we're about to bring this back on and let America see it again? Uh, I feel really fortunate that I got to be a part of it because you're right. It is very special. I mean, it had been running so continuously. People were just being put in. Um, mm-hmm. It was rare that an entire group of, of people were coming together and learning the material for the first time. Um, so that was very, very bonding. And 
really did create this tribe. Um, there was only one person, Shiloh Smith, who was the white cat who had done the production previously, and she had done it in Germany. Um, but the rest in of Ger- us were brand- in German, right? Like yes, in a totally yeah. different language. And yes. Yeah. Um, and we were very young. I was 22. And I would say that was about the average age. We were, I mean, cats is, is so physical. That's not that unusual, but we were, we were young and we were for most of us, I think it was our first big job. Um, yeah. so it was very exciting. We were all totally invested in, in the process. Um, and we had the luxury of time. Uh, we spent four, four or five weeks in New York just rehearsing all together. And then we had six weeks in Atlantic City um, for previews. And so that was a, a really nice opportunity to um, to put the show together mm-hmm. and without so much pressure because you're in Atlantic City and the audience is pretty drunk and um, really just wants to get back to the gambling table. Um, so it gave us an opportunity to, to really put the show together. I, I, that's so funny you say that because I like the minute you said Atlanta city for six years, I was like, what a definition of the junkyard. Like it it's insane. a junkyard in America. It was crazy. I remember one night, um, it, it was just a bizarre experience, but they, this woman at the end of memory just yelled out, sing it again. <laughs> I was like, where are we? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to hear a little bit about what that rehearsal process is like. Since you had time, how much of the story and show did you go through? And how much like relationship of the characters did you get to build out? Because you had that five weeks of rehearsal and then six weeks of previews that you don't necessarily always get on a tour. It, right. So we spent, I mean, I remember the first week was just music and I was and I was sure I was going to be fired um, because Richard <laughs> wasn't there yet. No one else had seen me. Kristen Bludgett is this huge figure in the musical theater world. And she, I remember the first day, everyone's like dividing into their vocal parts. And she asked me what part I was. And I was like, um, I'm Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. And she was like, no, vocally, like, are you a tenor? Are you, I, was, I have no idea. Um, yeah. But we, so we really had a week just to focus on the music. And then Sam came in and we were, we learned the ball first. And then we, I remember spending time just roaming around the studio acting like cats. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember we went to a pet store as a group and, and watched cats um, roam around the pet store. And so we spent time on the, just the felinity Um but a lot of that for me translated as a ballet dancer because I think there's such oh, a grace to a cat that so many of their movements I, I kind of found in the choreography and in, um, you know, the cat doesn't make a mistake. It, it, it falls, but then it recovers so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of the ballet training um, worked well for me in that way. That's fascinating. I, I love I've heard about the Felinity School so much. And every time I hear it, I kind of laugh. It's like extreme method acting, but for cats, you know, like you're not method acting to like get in the character of a person. It's we're going to go watch cats at a, you know, a, a pet shop. Right. And, you know, I remember when we we were doing it and, and Sam would bring in um, like different cat toys. And at first it was just so silly. But the longer we did it and the more um, time we spent, it's 
we started to really get into it. And you did find um, movements that you could then incorporate into mm-hmm. into the work. How long after tour did it take you to kind of break some of those mannerisms? Like, were you still walking around with your paws out uh, after tour? No, but I, I, I do some facial things today still. I think that I'm like, oh my God, I think that's from... <laughs> being a cat for a year year, yeah years later it's still coming back there i do think there's like some some nose twitches that are still there (laughs) i love it so okay so i want to hear a little bit more about atlantic city you don't get previews that often in tour like you kind of just go and and then especially with the tour after they you know some people stay some people go back you and and though this one went for 10 full years there's the six tours still going now i think they're on year two since the pandemic and it's just a continuation there's like a break but it's a continuation what was it like having the opportunity to make adjustments like that that didn't have to be on the fly I, I, I feel so lucky because I didn't have to learn it any other way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really had, it was like cat's boot camp almost for six weeks. You know, we, we had all of the choreography and, and um, all of that that we learned in New York, but, but there's something about being on that set and in that, because the set is so specific and you find so many um, ways to use that, that set. Um, and because the floor is, it's so different too, right? The, the, the ability to like slide. And um, so it was really, it, it, we, and we did a shortened version in Atlantic City because they didn't want an intermission. At the casino <laughs> didn't want, I mean, they want them only, yeah. they want them to see a show, but only for a very short amount of time and then back yeah, to they the don't want them. They don't want them away from gambling. Exactly. Um, so we would, I think we did something like 10 shows a week. Uh, it, so we, I remember we would have like an early and a late show some nights and we would go and eat in the cafeteria, like in our makeup um, and then go back oh and do it, uh, do it again. I, I, that is fascinating. Cause I just imagine, you know, it's like Vegas and Atlantic city, those places, nobody probably even thought a second glance at you all eating in the cafeteria in cats costumes. They're just no. like, yeah, that's here we are. Yeah. Um, did you we cut were, certain things out? We did. To do it yes. Short? Yes. Um, I'm trying to, I know that my solo was shorter. Um, I didn't have to, it was, it was nice. Actually. I didn't have to do the turns in second, um, in Atlantic city. So I I was able to build up to that. But you, so you did all this practice because it's like the Royal Caribbean cruise went down to 90 minutes. Um, their version did because they, you know, same thing. They couldn't, no one was paying for it. People were leaving intermission thinking little memory was the end. And then they were like, Oh, I'm good. And then they leave. So they did a no intermission, 90 minutes, but you're prepping to go on tour to do the full thing. And you're doing 75% of it, 60% of it. Was it a hard transition when you left Atlantic city? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was, I don't know if for everyone, but because that solo is so, um, so it is quite long. It's almost seven minutes and it requires so much endurance and mm-hmm. it's technically so demanding. And the, the end of it is, is really the most difficult part. Um, yeah. so going from that, that shortened version, we did pick up rehearsals in Atlantic city so that it wasn't as, it wasn't going to be like a total shock to our system, <laughs> yeah. but it w- it was definitely different. It was a different show, um, going to the full version. Yeah, I was, I mean, this is going to be a, a comparison that will be very interesting for this crowd, but I was having this conversation with the the masters just happened with golf when we're recording this and there's the whole controversial tour where they're only playing three days instead of four. 
And I kind of like um, with that live tour we we're talking about, is that going to change their endurance or their, their practice or anything? And it's, it was this, uh, it's exactly what I was thinking about here, which is if you're doing a seven minute number, eight minute number when you're going, but you're only practicing four or five minutes when you're in Atlantic city, it's almost not the same. So it's gotta be like really challenging. It was, it was, um, but it gave me a lot of confidence in that first part of the, of the solo. Um, and I felt very comfortable. So when it did come time to do the full thing, um, I had, I had, I had built up enough muscle memory in the first part of the solo that I wasn't having to, there wasn't that, that same kind of anxiety that I think I would have felt, um, going into it and, and right off the bat doing the, the like full seven minute version. So I want to hear a little bit about your tour, where you went, where was your favorite and least favorite place to go on tour oh God, on this particular tour? Um, we, we had a really nice tour. I will say we did like places for like Boston and Chicago and, and San Francisco for, for extended sit downs from like three or four weeks. Oh, um, so it's not as grueling of going was, like the day exactly. or two, you know, a couple days in and then going. Exactly. Um, but we had, we did have some like one or never a one nighter, but some shorter weeks I don't want to say any cities that I dislike, <laughs> but I, I remember loving San Francisco. Um, I We did Charlotte. Actually, Charlotte was our first city outside of Atlantic City, and that's near my hometown, so I had a lot of friends and family yeah, come just, to that. I was going to so, ask where the closest you were to home, so that was Charlotte? I think so. That was, yeah. Um, so that was really special because that was our first, you know, other than Atlantic city. Um, nice. that was kind of the big opening. Um, I, yeah, it was a great opportunity to see the, the country, um, mm-hmm. places I never probably would have, have gone. We also <laughs> did Canada. I remember we, I loved Vancouver. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I, we, we had a, a really great setup and we weren't a bus and truck. We flew most places. Um, but actually nine 11 happened during our tour. Um, we were in LA when 9-11 happened um, and that definitely changed the way we traveled because um, we, it was, you know, well, security measures changed in the airports and yeah. we were a large group traveling one way. And so we were flagged every single time. Yeah. I can imagine we a group of cats. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also like you, they changed what you could bring on the plane and stuff. Like I'm sure if you had all your makeup and all the stuff that you were traveling with, like it, that also adjusted like overnight overnight. And I'm sure it was hard with what you would have to carry with you. Like you had a bunch of things you're on tour. You're not going home for a while, like very different experience. Did you perform that night? I don't think we did, but I don't think we can't, I don't think the show was canceled. I think we actually just, just it happened to be a night off. I think they would have canceled the show. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time that we performed, it still felt weird to perform. Um, even if it was yeah. a few days after, I remember there was a, I think we sang the Star Spangled Banner to open the show or something. There was some kind of tribute that made us feel better about what we were about to do. Yeah. Because um, it just wasn't a time that felt like. Yeah. It was a, it was a weird time. Cause like there was also like the sporting events kind of went on the next night. And they did the same thing, saying that, you know, people spoke and saying that, but it was like, let's get back to what makes America strong type of thing. And so I think that like, I would assume or hope that it was very similar of like, no, this is 
a cool part of what makes our country unique is being able to go experience this art. Let's continue, be able to continue that. Right. And I do think the producers handled it well and, and speaking with us about why it was important that we continue and super interesting. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I want to talk in a pivot. It's supposed to be a very hard pivot, uh, hard to pivot from from that. Um, but I want to pivot to talking about like the theories of Mistopheles because you obviously get to be told a backstory in the rehearsal of your five weeks, and then in Atlantic City figured out. But I'm also curious to hear a little bit about like what did you add? So like who were the relationships you added or played off of, and then like how much did that add to the sixth grader version of what you saw? Cause like you obviously watched as a sixth grader and thought, Hey, dance heavy. Now you learn, here's what he's all about. How does that, like, tell me a little bit about like what your thoughts were there. Well, the sixth grader version and actually even the version in my head up until rehearsal started was that I just did the solo that like <laughs> I have the whole night off yeah. and then I come yeah. down and do the solo. You don't dance um, anything else. I, it did not. I, I was like, because of the co- there's a costume change, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I I didn't even know he was in the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, that that was a, a shift. But um, I I I played him older. I played him. Um, I think some people play him as a kitten. Um, I didn't see him that way. I I. I don't even remember being told. Yeah, I know you've talked about like the three words and Mm -hmm. I don't remember being told the three words. I actually just took my character from the song. You know, his manner is vague and aloof. You would think there was nobody shyer. So I, 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 I really played him that way and didn't connect with the other cats very much on stage. I really felt like he was a little bit above it. Um, And there was definitely the connection with Tugger and with Victoria. And also I felt there was a connection with Cassandra. Um, but those were the, the cats that I really um, interacted with and really didn't like, I, I, I didn't um, play. I didn't feel like he was a playful. Uh, yeah. So you, you leaned into that shy part. Like we're just going to, I'm going to dance and be around, but I don't really need to be here. Like I'm, I'm very introvert of the tribe. Absolutely. Yeah. I I felt like he was, um, and also felt like he was a little bit above it. And, um, you know, he doesn't speak in in the version that I did. Um, he didn't sing. And so he says one word, he's actually, there's, he says, he says old Deuteronomy, like when, when they sent, he's the first one to sense that old Deuteronomy is coming or the first one to acknowledge it. And then he says presto at the beginning of the solo. And that's pretty much it. That's all um, you say the entire time. I mean, he sings with the chorus, but like yeah. as solo lines, that's all I had. Okay. I kind of love that. You're, you know, here in this show that's like very dance and song heavy. And they're like, you just focus on the dance. And 
hum in the background. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm trying not to destroy the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, so as you have now, like you've also, also listened to the show and you've heard a lot of different versions um, and you've, you know, you're obviously familiar with Misafli's. Where do you think some of these relationships come from? Because there's a lot of like, he's, he's mixed into a lot of the fan fiction with Tugger and all kinds of stuff. And it seems like you didn't play it that way, but it, it definitely, it's there in some capacity. Well, I feel like I may have contributed to some of that because, uh, so the guy that was Stan Stanley, who was playing Rum Tum Tugger and I actually were dating the entire tour. Um, so I'm sure there was some, you know, chemistry there on stage and some, um, because we, we had a relationship, um, and it was early days of the internet too, because it's like 2001. And so the fan fiction, um, I remember that that was new to us um but yeah i mean it it, it's funny that 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 was out there we didn't we weren't we didn't play it that way certainly um so yeah that's that's so interesting so you are a real life tugophiles um at the time did do you feel like there was maybe some like some conscious mannerisms of that you had the offstage chemistry that you maybe brought on on stage because you are a like you're together a decent amount and like he sings your song or the line of your song. Like there is like, I can understand why they pull some of that stuff together. Absolutely. But did you feel that you had even an extra layer because you were dating? I'm sure there was that we weren't like necessarily conscious of it, but I know that like after the solo, we sit together on the tire while, uh, Grisabella sings memory. And, you know, I, I remember, I'm dying at that moment. He doesn't, I don't get to go off stage and get like a sip of yeah. water after that seven minutes. Alone. Yeah. Now I have to like go and sit there and listen to, you know, this huge, beautiful song, but I, I really just want to get off stage. Yeah. Um, and he was always there to like, you know, calm me down, like breathe. Um, it was, so I'm sure there was some of that there that, that people could pick up on. Um, and it, it, you know he sings this. He sang the entire song in, in our case. Um, so th- there is there is that relationship that's built um, into the show. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious to hear this. Um, I, there's been a, a, a bomb ballerina Tugger marriage. I just uh, episode just released um, as we're recording this, but they kind of noticed like there was a moment of like oh watching him like Tugger during the show was when I was like wow okay, maybe this is a person. Was it like a during rehearsals during the show? Was it, or was it off stage where you, you two realized like, Oh, we should date. Or did you see Tugger and watch him do his number and be like, wow, I'm on a date this guy. Probably some of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely remember being very impressed um, with his talent and um, yeah, we were both from the South and yeah, we started dating very early on in the tour in Atlantic city. We were by, by the end of previews, we were, we were together. So we started dating pretty, pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I think that, and they're, you know, having somebody sing your song every night and like, there's that, <laughs> you know, we worked closely together. I don't know. There, yeah, there's yeah. something that, um, that, um, yeah, I don't know which came first actually. 
No, it's it's a probably unanswerable question, especially when you're thinking back. This has been 20 years, you know, trying to think back to that moment. Yeah, um, 20 years. But it's it's fun. It's funny because of how much those two characters are placed together um, in fan fiction and the amazing artists that like the cats fan art. It's most of the stuff. And then you hear it's like same thing with the Bombelli Arena and Tucker. That's another one. And then it's like, oh, they got married and oh, they're dating. Like, I've always wondered, is it like it's also still a you're working together and you're doing something super physical and very close to each other. And when you're on tour, you're literally together at all moments of the day together. Exactly. So it's like, there's some of that's just how, um, like it was probably bound to happen. I'm sure there are, I know there are a lot, there's a couple that people have like not wanted to have recorded. And I've heard more that were like, Oh, don't let's not get that <laughs> one live. But I know there's a lot of dating that happens within, but it shocks me at how much, it's the characters that also have the rumors. And so it is a good question that you're saying is like, did you contribute to that rumor? And like you helped bring that forward or is it just like we cast for personalities that might fit that would date well? Like it's a really unanswerable question that's really kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think there's there's something to, to it probably both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Was there any, um, Mustafa's gets a lot of like interesting fan interactions because you are a solo number, you are like a very like featured dancer and it is like a dance heavy part where a lot of people come. Did you have some like fun or unique, um, like post show, uh, stage door interactions with fans on tour? Yeah. I mean, the fans were insane amazing but i mean like they would come fully dressed in costumes yeah. that sometimes were as good as ours um <laughs> and that was just new to me and and they would give pieces of art and things that they had made and it was it was very um special and humbling and that somebody cared that much to to not only um you know take the time to to wait after the show to to meet you but also had made this thing ahead of time. I still have them. Um, I would, I, they're, you know, 20 years later, I'm, they're still objects that, um, are meaningful to me. Um, what's your favorite, what's the favorite? Like, what's the one thing a, that you have? Do you have a couple? Someone made a mask that was just beautiful. Um, like, I don't even know how they made it, but, um, and then I have some pieces of art that were drawn and I framed and, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really, it was special, but also, you know, there was, it was also the beginning of the, of, of blogs and internet. And so there were people that were counting the number of turns I did um, <laughs> and like writing about it. And he only did 27 tonight. And um, it was, it was bizarre. I remember my dad would, would call and say, do you know, somebody said you only did 27 turns. And I'm like, only, you need to only. stop reading. You need yeah. to stop reading that. That <laughs> That's not necessarily um, helpful, but, and, and stop reporting it to me also. <laughs> yeah. That's, it is like a bizarre internet time. Cause it was, this is like the AOL era, right? Like we're still, Absolutely, yeah. we're at that point where the, there is a, a blog is like the, I don't even want to say it's a Tumblr version, but it was like people were, unfiltered thoughts and like a very weird kind of old looking like it's it feels so antiquated thinking about back on it especially with how social media is completely shifted it um but it was yeah you had those super fans and they had an outlet and they were a very active bunch Absolutely. Um, on that like the cats fans had multiple sites 
that were keeping track of who went on and how they did this and what was happening. And it's where a lot of the theories come from. Yeah. I mean, they were, they, they would come to different cities. They would fly different places. And it was, I mean, it was, um, it was, it was very humbling. And it also, you know, I, I put a lot of pressure on my performance and myself in the show, I think in some part because it had, had such a strong impact on my life and at, at a young age. And I realized how um, it really did, you know, kind of inform some, some life decisions and, and where my life went. So I felt like every time I went on that stage, I felt like I had the ability to maybe reach somebody in that way. And so I felt an enormous amount of pressure as far as the performance that, that I gave. Um, yeah, you're, you're reaching the, the sixth grader version of yourself. Like you're, you're going back to you were in the audience and saw that moment and realized your career trajectory was going to change because like you decided your career at that moment. And so it's kind of cool to be able to be on the stage on the other side of it. And knowing that in that audience, there's probably a sixth grader or somebody else who is having that same thought. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, cats, there's no fourth wall because you know, they're in the junkyard. Mm -hmm. The audience is actually, you're not ignoring them. You're, you're, you recognize them and you're allowing them to stay. And so you're able to, to look at them and look at them in the eyes and, and make those connections with audience members. Um, I think that's also something that really does um, create these, these fans and this relationship because the, the performers are actually having a relationship with the audience members, which is not the mm -hmm. case in most theater, right? Like yeah. um, the audience is not acknowledged, but in cats, they are. Um, yeah, you start so, in the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with green eyes. And so, yeah. and you go out in the audience and the naming of cats. And so you do, you do have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So new, so new, unique of a show and kind of a cool piece, but um, you now teach, do you teach any of the uh, cats numbers? I do. Um, so I teach mostly ballet, but okay. if I'm teaching musical theater, I will teach the end of the ball. Usually um, it's, it, I, I, I still, um, it still resonates with me because the end of the ball is like that. You've been dancing for like 13 minutes and then there's this huge swell of music and you do a very simple gesture but you really need the audience to applause because, or to applaud because you are so exhausted yeah. and you need them to give you something back and you need that energy to get you to the end. Um, and when it works, it is just so beautiful because you really are doing something so simple. Um, but the light shift and the, the, the music, it just brings the audience to, um, to a place where they want to, acknowledge and applaud um and so i teach that part a lot um i love it you teach them the part with, without doing the 13 minutes before it's like exactly. hey you, just do the just do the ending but don't be worn out by it right this is the fun part yeah yeah and then i'm sure you give them a standing ovation every time so they can get the energy still every time <laughs> um okay i want to do some rapid fire okay and then we can get to our you know most important question um if you could go on obviously Let's ignore your your singing and everything else. But if you could go on for one day, any cat, if you could just do the track, who would you want to perform as? Tugger, 100%. Tugger. You want to yeah. flip, flip the other side of the script and go and just wreak havoc. Yeah. I think it, I think it's, it's, a great, it's a great part. And 
um, yeah, I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. What are, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Um, ignore, is, ignore actors. Okay. This is hard. Um, okay. I, my favorite, I love Cassandra. Um, my least favorite, ugh, it's hard. Maybe Growl Tiger. Growl Tiger. Yeah. Okay. Not, uh, Gus. Not Growl Gus. Tiger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, his one of his one of his characters. Do you think that those answers are influenced by your playing as Mistopheles, or is it just more as like you, McCree, as the human? Like that's who I wouldn't like. Oh, that's hard to say. Um, I probably it's probably somewhat influenced by mm-hmm. by the role. Yeah, because you did it for so long, you're just like I. You had and that's the, how I saw them. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, what's your favorite song? From the show. Oh, um, uh, Grizabella the Glamour Cat. The, okay. Um, yeah, like yeah. there's that one that little moment. Yeah. Yeah. And Demeter and Bomb. And our, I remember our Demeter just was amazing. And during that, um, Jessica Lee Patty. And we had, you know, everyone had recorders that first week when we were singing. And so I went out and bought a recorder because they all had them and they were recording their parts, but I didn't really know what to do with it. So yeah. I, I would just record her singing because I was that song. They were all like practicing their, their parts when they got home. And I was sh- listen, like showing my friends and like, listen to this girl sing. She's amazing. Yeah. I, <laughs> but yeah, that, I love that song. That's so it's, uh, I love hearing because the first one you said recorder, I, had to, I thought you were talking about like the, like the, the <laughs> instrument. instrument. I'm like, that's kind of strange. Maybe like, uh, then I'm like, no, wait, this is pre iPhone era. This They're was recording, recording. Like, and they, they, yeah, they need that to be able to play back their, their part to listen. Cause there, you know, there's no YouTube version to go after. There's no quick iPhone recording. Yep. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's hilarious. Um, I, I always ask a fun one. I was going to ask you about which cat was going to be in, uh, the best nomad on tour, but now knowing that you spent so much time in Atlantic city, which cat do you think would thrive in Atlantic City? Oh, um, I have two answers to this. I think there's two. I can't two wait clear to ones hear for me. Well, I think that uh, maybe Jenny Annie Dots would would Ooh. she could have some fun at the slots. Um, I didn't think about her, but I do see that. Yeah, I think she could let loose. Um, and that's a good answer. I had not thought about Jenny. All right, so who's yours? Well, I thought for first one, first came to mind immediately was Buster Jones. He's in the high okay. roller suite. He's going to be eating eating his way through town. Like he's going to have a blast there. And totally. the other one I thought about, I kind of had the other two. I, I couldn't decide between, but one was Tugger, where you've got just being able to go and kind of be unapologetically yourself, and nobody's going to care. And then the other is McCavity because Atlantic City has a history of like kind of crimey mob bossy versions so i feel like he might he might live there he might be from yeah there. i think you're right i think that actually he might be from there yeah yeah i think that's his that's his base that's his, his root home if he's although this is a you know a uk-based show but when we when we make the america version he's from atlantic city Deal. um okay most important question i have argued at length i don't think grizabelle is the right choice so I'm hoping you're going to say Gus because you just made it very clear that you that it was, it's Growl Tiger, not Gus. But are you going to defend Grizabella or are you going to pick somebody else? No, I, I think I, I think Gus. It's it's time. I, you know, I've listened to this podcast before, so I know I know your feelings. But yeah, I, 
yeah, we just accepted her back. Let's give her a year. I mean, it could be a great time for, for Grizabella back in the tribe. Should we should send her away like right away. That's where I said, I, so here's one question I, I've always been curious about. And I know the like current tourists talked about it. Did you ever th- talk about this as a cast? Like, did you ever think about it or was it just like, nope, we're just going to, she's the choice. We're accepted. Yeah. No, that was never, that was never, never thought about, about it. that. Never thought about it. Never thought like your guest wasn't like, why is it not my turn? <laughs> nope. Wow. No, okay. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, now I wonder if I'm actually influencing the show because I know the current cast talks about it a lot now. I think, um, I think you might be. I, I love it. So um, I want to ask a couple other questions though because I am I am pro Gus. How do you think Old Deuteronomy makes his decision? You're right. I mean, like, he, there needs to be a rubric and the mm-hmm. the uh, and the, uh, the cats need to be aware of, of, of this rubric I would think and so. how he's making this decision. Um, yeah, I think he just whose turn is it who needs who needs i guess who needs the opportunity to come back and in that case i don't necessarily think chrisabella you know needs it yeah needs to leave right now um gus is he's like barely hanging on yeah you know i'm with you i i think he's got the most non-grisabella votes by a lot um it is still around 50 50 of not Gus, but of non Grisabella, Grisabella. Um, so I feel like that's a pretty good mark for to be able to have a show that is very definitively answered to have one cat being the choice and to have more than half of the people I talk to say, eh, I don't buy it. Uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, yeah. I also like your idea of, of it changing. I think, but I think it should be random. I think they sh- no cat should know. Like st- there's like a, a light, like a spotlight goes on. One cat. I, uh, ooh, okay. So spotlight version of just where they line up at the end. And it's like, we don't know who it's going to be today. And it's almost like the, uh, I could see it like, um, what was that show? Press Your Luck. Do you remember Press mm. Your Luck with the whammies? Yeah. Yeah. Where the thing goes around the board? Yeah. I think the light should just be going and then all of a sudden it just stops. I love it. You get um, a different show every night. Yeah, I, I'm still big on audience participation because since you are in the, like you allow the audience into the junkyard. And as you said, they're like, they're part of the, 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 the whole show. Um, I, I love the idea of them being able to choose because I do think you would be like, you would get some really interesting data off of that too. Like does one city like this cat more than others? Like, does this, did we have a younger crowd and they voted for a younger cat? Like there's a lot of ways it'd be really fascinating to see. It also would become kind of funny I think this would be hard as performers because you all are incredible and putting in some stuff, but like it puts a little bit of extra, like I got to give up my A game today because they're voting at the end. And if I am not my best, maybe I don't get chosen. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm for audience participation. Yeah. Most of them have their phones out anyway. Exactly. Yeah. They're already bootlegging this (laughs) for you. They got their phone in their hand. Yeah. We, it'd be easy technology. And then we could vote, and then yeah, the, just somebody else hops up on the tires to go up. I always wanted to ride the tire. Did you never get to? No. Like even you know just messing around during rehearsals, or is it like union based, so expensive for them to run it that they're not going to do it? They were definitely not going to like let us have rides on that tire. 
Yeah. Um, I, I asked when I did some work with the, uh, with the six tour, I was like, can I go up? And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> like you cannot at all think about that. Um, you should uh, have much asked to come way. down, uh, the Mistopheles rope. Oh, oh that's fun. Yeah. They were very much a, anything on stage is, uh, is a lot more challenging than anything not on stage. Which yes, I get. Um, well, this has been super fun. Uh, how can people stay in touch with you? Social media, websites, anything? Uh, so you can, my Instagram is McCree OK. M-C-C-R-E-E-O-K. Awesome. Um, we'll tag that too. So thank you for, for coming on sharing and sharing your stories and sharing your Tugophilies relationship for the world to, to add to fuel to that fire. And uh, it's been super fun. It is awesome. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.